Welcome to the Words Over Ice Show. Have a drink, whether glass mug or styrofoam. Get my best up to Ray, he's the right host. And Matt James on a sarcastic tightrope. Then there's Jason, full of opinions. Co-host with brains and the boldest intentions. Ali, that's the man making profits. Greg and Duke join us talking controversial topics. You know it get real in these interviews. We talk about it all when we bring a news. Rolling with the punches, a one-two combo. The Words Over Ice Show. Let's have a convo. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Today we have Imana from the Gift Global Initiative. Really important guest. I'm glad we got her on. I want you guys to listen to the whole thing through the end where she tells you how to get a hold of her and how to help out because the things she's dealing with, she can use a little bit of help from everybody and I think it can make a big difference. So uh, without further ado, we'll jump into the episode and I really do hope you enjoy it and, and decide to help out. So yeah, thank you for joining. I know it's been we've been going back and forth for a while trying to get you on, but you're you're a busy woman, so I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. You're doing some some really important things. So for you to lend, you know, lend us 30, 45 minutes, whatever it ends up being, uh, is much appreciated. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the platform. And it's not it's not that I'm busy, it's just that I travel so much mm-hmm. and um the travels are not normal travels you know i spend a lot of time in this in places where the reception is horrible <laughs> right yeah. um so i just wanted to be in my office when i speak with you guys like it's sure. impossible to receive phone calls or um emails mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah where i travel <laughs> yeah well yeah the places you visit are, are pretty remote and and aren't in the best in the best shape, you know, you visit a lot of third world areas and, and to help, to help with, you know, youth and the things that you're helping with. So let's jump into that. So for everyone who doesn't know, um, you have what is a gift global initiative, right? So can you just let everyone know how that, you know, what that is, what you guys do, and we can kind of jump into how that came about. Yeah. Um, so gift, uh, is a nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, charitable organization, and we are, um, we are U.S. based, so it's a U.S. nonprofit, <laughs> but we are in about, um, I would say, half half the planet. <laughs> okay. We are in Asia, Africa, uh, South, Central, and North America. Um, we work with families, but the focus is always kids, children. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, when you start working with kids, you can't um, isolate working with kids you know you end up working with the mom and dad or whoever the caregiver is which is why i said we work with families um and the work is mostly preventive so essentially what we do is um we identify areas where children are high targets of exploitation uh be it trafficking or domestic abuse or um, violence, uh, gang war, drugs. And then we bring preventive programs uh, like school sponsorships or vocational training, um, medical fund, and there are many other programs that we run, but these are, these are like the um, big umbrellas, you know, right. because we, uh, what happens is a lot of times the parents don't have the funds to take the child to a doctor. So they end up selling the child because they can't do anything about 
the medical S- condition. You say selling the child? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, so we provide uh, all the tools and resources that will make the family more stable. Um, so in the long run, the parents don't do anything to harm the child. Right. Yeah. They, it's like they take the uh, the adoption thought in their own hands, but it's no, it's it, not adoption no, at all. That's what it's, I'm saying. It, it's like they take the thought in their hands, but it's like completely opposite of what they're doing. It's like you're giving your child away uh, because yeah. you can't. It's like almost when you don't have. Like, I hate to put a person. Well, actually, you know, here uh, I'll say that Ray knows this. I love animals almost more than I love people. I'll say it just like that, but people take their dogs and their, and their other animals and they just like pop them off. Like I can't take care of it. They just drop it off. Like whatever. And people do that to their kids. And that's crazy because, well, I can't say crazy, but there's dire straits that I will never understand. But that, that situation is really relevant and really prevalent in third world countries. And it's, it's heartbreaking. Well, how, what's the, what's the procedure for preventing that? Um, so let me, you know, let me give you an example of uh, something that's not too far from home. Um, so there's a 400 family slum and every time I use the word slum, people kind of get offended, but it, it really is a slum. Like Mm -hmm. there's no sanitation, no electricity, Mm -hmm. nothing, Mm -hmm. but it is still in Tijuana and Tijuana is not a, uh, you know, a far away. Land. No, that's yeah. I'm in. I'm in San there Diego. There used to be a train where you go down there to me, get yeah. drinks on Friday yeah. night. You know, like what the hell? <laughs> yeah, and and a lot of times, you know, people and I'll I'll get into that too. But so this family, uh, this slum has 400 families. Um, it's literally 10 minutes after you cross the border. So you can go there, like you said, you know, on a Friday night, come back Sunday. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do that. So that's a great example of areas that we work from. Yeah. You know, these are, they may be remote uh, in the sense that there's not uh, like no sanitation, no running water, but they're still in cities, you know, at this right. place is in, a, in, in Tijuana. Yeah. Um, so we, um, we work in these, we have pop-up schools. So we set up a tent, literally a tent <laughs> and, uh, run schools, you know, so kids who don't get to go to school can attend our schools. Right. Um, then we find sponsors for children who are very bright or promising. And these kids go through um, school like any other child would, you know, providing them with school supplies through paying for tuition, paying for their medical needs throughout the year. Because in most cases, the child doesn't have a father. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. The mom is a teen mom, mm-hmm. and it's not 17 or 18. It's actually 14 or 15-year-old teen mom right. with kids. Well, see, mm-hmm. to, to right. your point of that, people are going to Tijuana for more than just drinks. You know what Correct. I mean? You know, so, yeah. Correct. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said I'll get into that. <laughs> a lot of times people travel on Friday, and, you know, the whole talk about human trafficking, people forget that the kids don't have to be smuggled into any country. Right. Many times people will travel to these countries and Tijuana is a great example because it's much easier to get to Tijuana. Mm -hmm. You'll see these motels by the border and um, this work is done by cartel. So all the slums are controlled by gangs Mm -hmm. and they will bring the kids to these motels, pick up the kids from the slums, bring them to the motel and people who travel and cross the border can uh, exploit the child 
and come back into their country, come back into US, and you might be having coffee with someone like that on Monday morning, not knowing what they did over the weekend. That's crazy. Or they knew yeah. what they did, but they're just an evil piece of shit. I'm sorry, I have to well, say it. There's like, a lot of that going yeah, on right that, now. That's, you, there's a special place for people like that. And that that's the thing that I don't like in human nature is like that we have an agenda. Animals don't. But anyway, so have you been in a situation where you've been in like, a, I want to not want kind of like for lack of a better term, hostile territory, like where things have been going on while you're working? Yeah, that that's the nature of uh, our work. You know, the way... Um, this all started was about 15 years ago. I, um, I found myself, um, on a police raid of a brothel. Wow. And that was the first time I had been on rescue missions before, uh, you know, I worked for American Red Cross, but that mm-hmm. kind of rescue mission is completely different than what this is. Yeah. You have, so, you went back right. up and everything. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> so the first time I found myself on, um, on this mission, I went in thinking that, you know, we'll find um, sex trafficking victims who are 18, 17, 16-year-old women. And that's what most people would think, you know, Mm -hmm. like people who are not, who don't know much about this thing, that sex trafficking means 16, 17, 18-year-old men or women. No. So we step in. So here's what happens. So we step in um, into this really horrible, dingy brothel. And there were four and five-year-old kids. Um, They were, the hands were tied and there were these like circular table, which were, uh, they had made those into uh, makeshift beds. And the kids are kept on those. Um, They're sexually exploited four to five times a day for seven to eight years of their life. So by the time the child um, can make sense of everything that's going on, that's the only life they know. Yeah, that's all they've known for for every day, in and out for years and years. Yeah, exactly, right? And and this is a four-year-old child, a five-year-old child going through the horrors. And so that changed the way I looked at trafficking, you know? And I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't understand how so many organizations are working with the victims and we still have victims, the reason we still have victims is because the, the focus has largely been on working with victims. You know, there were not enough, at least at that point, preventive um, measures taken right. to stop it from happening to these kids. That's how gift came about. Uh, we decided that we wanted to make sure that no kid ever has to go through this. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's domestic abuse or whether it's trafficking, we, uh, we should be able to stop it stop it right before it happens to them. So that, that's the difficult part though, right? It's, it, I mean, it's a horrible thing to think of. And, and like you said, a lot of people don't really understand it. And traffic is not, it's not just sex. There's a bunch of other, other ways to traffic people. I mean, there's, you know, you can organ trading, there's, you know, forced labor, all all kinds of different sets of trafficking. that you can Stuffing mules and drugs. Yeah. Yeah, so it, what happens is once they, um, once they use the child for sex trafficking, uh, about mm-hmm. eight to nine years, then they tag the child as unusable in the sex trade. And then they push the child into begging. Begging mm-hmm. is a big industry in developing countries. Yeah. Uh, it makes billions of dollars every year where the kids beg at traffic lights. And then um, 
once that happens, then they are they go through organ trade. So their their organs are traded in the international market. So it's a never ending cycle. It does not stop with sex trafficking. There's also labor trafficking. You uh, you, know? you right. said that you were in Asia. Um, where are do you have anything going on in southeastern Asia, specifically uh, like India, Mumbai area, Bombay? Do I know about anything going on? Or do you have anything? Are you do you, is gift present there? Yes. Uh, Yes, we have pop-up schools. Um, You have street schools in about 10 locations in India. Awesome. Uh, And these schools are, it's, you know, I want to put it out there because uh, when I ask people to sponsor a child, they assume it's going to be very expensive. But education in those countries is very cheap. It is. And that's, that's so crazy that it is because they've been colonized from day one by first world countries, but then, you know, defunded and just destroyed and then left in shambles. And now you're a third world country by, you know, the term third world. But I, I also, you know, I want to remind people that, you know, I don't look at these countries as developing in the sense right. of money because right. here's the thing. <laughs> the more you work in these countries, you'll, you'll see how rich these countries are. Yes. Right? India is an extremely rich country, mm-hmm. but the money doesn't trickle down no, to the poorest. No, they hold all the and, resources, a lot of correct. resources. And, and I'll, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a funny example of that. But what happens is these, they're developing in the sense of human rights. Right. You know, they have, right. exactly. they, they are developing in the sense of uh, animal rights. You mm-hmm. know? Animals are treated horribly. Kids are treated. Women are treated horribly. Yes. So they haven't developed in that sense. But right. money-wise, they are rich. Yes. Um, and they see we, none of it. Yeah, exactly. None so of it. We had this. Um, we had this incident where the United Nations gave mosquito nets um, <laughs> to <laughs> to a um, nonprofit in Nigeria. A partner okay. nonprofit, and they uh-huh. were supposed to give the nets to the people, right? They, I think, they were like fifty thousand mosquito nets, but United Nations did not give it directly to the nonprofit. It was given to the government oh, boy. Uh, mm. for the government to give it to the nonprofit. <laughs> a day before there. the event, no. <laughs> yeah, right. The, uh, the day before the event, there are no mosquito nets, and right. turns out the person in the government sold the mosquito nets on eBay. On eBay, wow. <laughs> so there's two Easy. pieces of shit to that order. There's the person that sold it and the person that bought it, knowing good and goddamn well he shouldn't be buying it. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, so this it's... World's so and crazy. that brings me to, you know, the the aid that the United States government provides to other countries. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I always say that instead of giving money to the governments of these countries, you need to send in grassroots level nonprofits who are U.S. based and uh, accountable to the United States government. Fund them to go in and do the work because so, that's how you make a change. Right. So with that said, let me ask you on uh, domestic uh, policy. What do you think about U.S. Uh, government aid to U.S. citizens? And I'm not talking about people that aren't born here. I'm talking about people that are currently standing on this soil. I don't care if you were born here. I don't care if you snuck over. I don't give a shit 
where you came from, if you're here standing in this land, then you are an American, especially if you're working and helping the economy and doing your thing. What do you think about what's going on here right now with this mass exodus and all these things going on where we can do certain things in a certain scale within the world, but we still have our own problems going on here that are escalating? So locally, I'll tell you this. Um, Los Angeles, 60,000 homeless people on the streets. Yeah. Okay. And um, the one third of that 60,000 are women. 10% of the 60,000 are kids. Now, the kids are in the public school system. So the kids still go to school. Mm -hmm. And when they say homeless, they crashing on your friend's couch is not homeless. Right. Okay. Right. Right. right, Homeless is on the street. That's how the, the county says homeless defines homeless okay mm-hmm. so we have sixty thousand of those things on the streets and give we just want to make sure that you know um the kids receive yeah uh the resources that it all starts with the kids because if you are they're like sponges you know that's our future and th- correct they, future. they if you are not able to provide for the children today, those kids are going to grow up and trust me, they grow up scarred. Oh yeah. They grow up <laughs> oh, yeah. with, mm-hmm. with hate um, in their heart. Hate and issues. Yes. So it uh we have tried working with people who are eighteen and over, but I'm telling you it's a completely it's different be ball really game. Difficult. When yeah. you when you try to change a person who is eighteen and over and, and try to teach a child, it's completely different. A child absorbs yeah. information like nothing else, you know. Mm-hmm. So whatever we are doing, um, without because gift is an, is a nonpartisan, nonpolitical yeah. Yeah, yeah. charity. Well, you know, we don't care what the governments decide. We care about. Well, bringing the resources to the people who need them. Let me, let me say that uh, I didn't want to put you in a, you know, bind. I was just curious, you know, cause I, I, I get the, the other side of it. Um, so yeah, I, I not apologize, but I get where you're coming from. I don't want to put you in a bind where I ask questions like that. No, not at all. I, I, I actually know. do like to, you know, address this because I'm an immigrant. I moved here 12 years ago mm-hmm. and, um, I was not born in the United States. I was welcomed here that does uh, it. with yeah. open arms. Good. That's the way it's however, supposed to be. Damn it! Like, how, what the fuck? However, however, I would, I would, I want to make sure that the people who are already out on the streets, yeah, we need to have a plan for them. Yes. Before we take on more, because that becomes a, a difference between having compassion and empathy. Yeah. When you have empathy for something, you take on the problem without trying to solve it. Mm-hmm. When you when you have compassion, you don't let it affect yourself, but you solve it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we have we the, the line between compassion and empathy is very it's a fine line, and uh, we need to fix our problems before we start taking on more right. or have what, a plan what type, B. What types of things are you seeing for, for the homeless? Because in you're, I mean, I think you're based or you're, I know you spend a lot of time at least in Southern California, which is where I'm at. And that's a huge issue. Don't they have there. like spikes and shit under the, the bridges and on like concrete, you know what I mean? Like uncomfortable areas where they would normally sleep. 
Don't they do that kind of uh, stuff? I'm not like, sure. Not not it, in San Diego. I know LA really is a little bit bad. worse. It's but really it's, it bad, is bad in LA. It's really yeah. really bad in LA. And you could get shot for being homeless. Like I've seen it numerous times. Like damn, that's crazy. And yeah, and and to me, you know, I as I said to you, it's not. We work in the slums in Mexico, you know, yeah. or Africa and Asia. Mm-hmm. So it's not. We are looking at it as a, a completely nonpartisan. Um, it, don't, it doesn't matter where you know? you're at or who. Yeah, we, exactly. we really think that if we can invest in these countries, the people will never have to leave. We, if we invest in the right way, I never, you know, I never growing the economy, never thought of bringing that. jobs. They don't have people don't leave there. Like I would not leave my country if I had everything I needed in my own country. Yeah, you don't you don't leave a good thing. Don't you don't. So you leave for better things, you know, and what happens is a lot of times people who come over do not have the basic skill set or basic even language issues. Right. Yeah. So that leads to further segregation. They they stick to one community because they are unable to speak Mm -hmm. or communicate outside of their group. That leads to the children not having better uh, opportunity because the parents are not able to get a good job. Right. There's so much. It, like so many things, it's not just black and white. It's a trickle down. It's a domino effect. It's a, right. it's like a big puzzle. And it could it can be easily solved if we take the politics out of it and look at it strictly from <laughs> um, you know as, as a human problem, right? Why do people leave? They leave because they don't have opportunity where they are. So how can United States as a leader create that opportunity in that country? Instead of sending all the jobs to China, how about we bring some jobs back into Mexico or surrounding countries where a lot of these people are trying to come into U.S., come from South America? <laughs> so how about we look at the economies of this, these countries and help them? But it, the powers that be here do not want to share the power that they have and the privilege. They're scared of losing it so that everybody can be it's, on the equal yeah. playing field. I mean, it's, it is, it's an uphill battle. And I, it I, is. I admire what you do because... Yeah. What you do, you're, it's almost, it's almost like you're banging your head against the wall, right? And when you're trying to make change, but it's, do you ever, do you ever feel that? Like you're, you're doing all this for years and years, but. And there's change the being still, made, but it's the, like, fuck. Right. <laughs> but I mean, the problem still tends, for some reason, it tends to grow and, and sometimes no, it gets worse. Not, you know? No, not there, at all. Because we, we see, um, you know, one great thing about um, being on the ground and doing it is that we get to see the success stories much more right. than the, the There's the no media coverage of it, you know, so exactly. you get to see it. Uh, we get to see it. And I'll tell, I'll share the story of a boy um, that I always tell people about him because I, I love him so much. Uh, the first time I saw him, he was nine. Um, he, his mom is a single mom and she works for the cartel used to work for the cartel. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the kid has also has an older sister. And uh, from what I understand, both the kids were born out of um, either a rape or a very uh, a sexual uh, attack on her, you know, while she was out right. doing her thing. And then she used to take this little boy, her son, on her drug dealings. Because uh, if they find her um, with a child, they would not take her to prison. So the kid ended up right. seeing a lot more <laughs> than he should at that age. Mm-hmm. So the first time I saw him, he was picking up little puppies and he was throwing them. He was literally s- smashing them on the ground. Oh, they wow. kind of killed the puppies. Anger management, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nine-year-old kid. 
Um, it's been about four years that we started working with that family, both the siblings, brother and sister in school now. And the mom is cleaned, like does not do drugs, does not deal in drugs, got a job at a local Costco. And that's a success story to me. Well, and we absolutely. see that we see that a lot more than we see um, the the bad side of things. Congratulations we, on that. Yeah, there are many, so many families who have, you know, who show so much promise of well, doing better. Here's the thing is it, one person uh, helped is a success story. And you seem like you have dozens. Um, do you ever feel like you're kind of jaded that you haven't done enough work? Uh, or do you feel swamped sometimes? Do you feel like... Uh, after the relationships that you do make or the people you make, some things kind of trail off. Like how do, how does that how does that work? Do people reach out to you later on individually all the time, or do some people fade away, or what what happens? Yeah, with that? some people. Some you know, it, as as I said to you, it's really picking um, the promising ones. Right. So yes, it is a four hundred family slum. It's it's literally impossible for me to work with four hundred families, right. and it's yeah. also not it's not the right way to go about it because not all 400 families need my help. Right. There's no personal touch to it. Correct. Also, you got to give them what they are asking for. So um, one of the things they know, like, especially this slum, because we, we are down there every two weeks, you know, Mm -hmm. they know that Mm -hmm. not to ask me for cash, not to ask Mana for, um, let's say, free stuff right (laughs) right right free stuff is like (laughs) i tell them free stuff is like christmas it's it only lasts for a day um we don't do that you you need educational supplies ask all day long we'll get everything you need you know you need to give them the tools yeah yeah give them the tools that last and they can use forever yeah correct we have um we have a great partnership with the uh, children's hospital in tijuana it's called hospital infantil they uh, treat patients from U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Any child under the age of 18 going through gift gets free surgeries at that hospital. Wow. So anytime uh, we figured, you know, one of the first kids that we started working with, she's five years now. She had brain cancer. And when we first met her, she was two. And the mom um, is again involved with the cartel. So she had abandoned the child knowing that she can't provide for her. So the grandma is the primary caregiver of the child and she didn't have the resources to treat her brain cancer. Um, Gift took on the challenge and the child is healthy today. You know, she, I was just speaking with someone today to see if she should be going to school this year. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And we see that a lot more than, uh, people fading away. We don't really care about people who fade away because they don't need my help anymore. Great. Right. Right. Do you ever, uh, when you're abroad, get any kickback or flack from, uh, larger organizations like UNICEF or, uh, who else? The Red Cross or anybody else. When, if, if they feel like you're overstepping their boundaries, do you, do you- um, Red Cross, definitely not because they, they're, they do disaster work. You know, I, um, I worked at Red Cross for five years right. before Gift, and their work is mostly providing resources when the disaster strikes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, right. they they don't do what we do. So, so you're kind of afterwards, uh, if if afterwards, 
there's need for a rehabilitation or some sort of crisis, right? Um, it's more preventive. Okay. Need preventive That's work. Right. So it's not after, it's before. You did say uh, that, yeah. But okay. correct. And, well, you can't, you can't, yeah, I guess you can't fight nature, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we don't we don't really. That's not the goal. You know, we we have a lot more to deal with than, <laughs> than yeah. going after disasters. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but um, as far as United Nations, they are very helpful uh, in a lot of ways. We partner with UNICEF. Uh, we did a self defense training in May in Los Angeles for women and kids with UNICEF. Wow. And uh, UN Women again. They're a lo- they're a partner. We just did a event in June uh, mm-hmm. to address the homeless situation in LA, focused on the women on the streets. So yeah, we partner with them. Okay. So all the all the time you spend, I'm going back a little bit here that you spend in Tijuana, and you said you're you're dealing with mothers and families that are in the cartel, and and you said you know the cartel runs these brothels and all these things. Do you ever? I'd imagine there's threats, or you ever have run-ins with the actual cartel. Um, so I was told that, you know, the, the people in the slum are very protective of gift Mm -hmm. because they understand what we are trying to do for the kids, you know, and Mm -hmm. they try to, in a very indirect way, try to keep, keep us like away from like low key, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh So, and we don't really do things which will catch too much attention. It's very low key. So you're not going in and raiding brothels and. No, we don't do that. We, we, uh, I remember this one time we went, there's a red light district in Tijuana. And mm-hmm. um, we went there uh, as a group, uh, give volunteers and staff at night just to check out if there were any kids over there on the streets, you know. And I had a camera, a hidden camera in my, in my shirt. Smart, yeah. And as we were walking, one of the women on the streets, she somehow saw my camera. And uh, she started screaming. She's like, oh, she has a camera. She has a camera. So now we have a, a group of about 10 pimps following oh, us. Man. And so that was that was a scary situation. But somehow it, not scary enough to well, um, stop doing what we're doing. Yeah, right. well, here's the kind of shield is, one, you're part of GIFT. And then, two, you're a U.S. citizen. Like that, that just starts a lot of shit. And a lot of people won't. You know, no, they don't care. They really don't care about they, that. They don't you know? care. Yeah, they um, don't. One of my volunteers. Well, I guess, um, yeah, you're not. Yeah. They, they, I'm not, not going to state the obvious. <laughs> no, we, it's no, it's actually American citizens uh, are high targets in some countries. If you're, so, if you're not brown <laughs> or uh, of correct. color. Yeah. If you're not correct. brown or and of color, they'll, they'll be. Well, high if target. you, if you see uh, Keith, you know, our chairman, he is, um, uh, Blue eyes, blonde hair. Yeah, he's a high target. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's prime, prime, prime target. Exactly. Fresh, so, fresh uh, and our group is pretty diverse. It's not all people like me. I can, I can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You can kind of shift off to the side, but it's over for what's his name. <laughs> so, um, but. In other countries, it's the same thing, you know. People, Americans think that, oh, I'm an American, so I'm safe. No, you're a high target, so yeah. <laughs> be careful if yeah. you go. Um, I've been doing this for 15 years, so I guess um, I have reached a point where it does not scare me anymore. Right. It should, but it doesn't. And <laughs> no, right. You know what? You can't do what you're going to do if you're going to be scared. You can't. Right. And then we hear about, to to answer your question, We I get text messages from people who... Um, on Facebook, 
and mm-hmm. from the slum and they're like oh you know after you guys left this person was shot so let me tell you this really uh, interesting story of a boy we met uh-huh. last year in december so we had a toy uh, drive in the in the slum um, one of the companies donated 1200 toys so we uh, we were giving out these toys and this child it was like 15 or 16 year old kid right and he mm-hmm. started speaking fluent english with me and i was like Wow, like, who are you? You know, no right, one speaks yeah. English over you. Who are you? <laughs> so I, I started following him. I find him in a corner reading a book. So I started talking to him, and um, he said, Chris, his name is Chris, and he said that he is an American citizen, and his mom moved him to Tijuana when he was about six years old. And he does not have paperwork. So since the time he moved, which is about six years old, the mm-hmm. cops would find him on the streets and take him to the jail because he didn't have the paperwork to be in Tijuana. Mm-hmm. And right. from six through now he was about 16. For 10 years, he's been on and off, on and off going to the jail. Now think about a six-year-old child sitting in the jail, right? Mm-hmm. And he he said to me that he is an American citizen, but he can't go back because he's not 18 yet. You know? So I said, what do you need to get your paperwork? We can probably get that for you. So you can go to school and, you know, get a job. So he said, okay, I, uh, it, it's $250 for the paperwork. And I said, okay, great. How about come back tomorrow morning because today we have this crazy event going on and we'll figure out your paperwork, okay? So next day does not show up. So we go look for him in the entire slum, could not find him. Two weeks later, they found his dead body. He was abducted and shot in the head. Wow. So we, yes, do, you know, we... They had somebody following him. He was somebody, like, you know, they, those people have uh, a lot of uh, resources. Uh, yeah, I was I was told that it was because of drug dealings with his father. Probably, you know? yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But we hear that a lot. That's so sad. Um, That's unfortunate as shit. That's, he, he was almost on his way out. But you they're know? very sweet to us. When we are in the slum, because they kind of enjoy what we do with the kids. You know, you know? what? Nobody, I don't think that anybody's born, oh, there's some people born evil, okay? There's certain people that are born evil. But I don't think anybody that goes through some really, really traumatic it's traumatic, things, it's, it's traumatic events. That's what man. I'm saying. And then turns out to be, it's somewhere hidden inside of them. Like you say, when you deal with an 18-year-old who's already jaded, it's hard to break a mentality or all of the things they've been through. And when you're dealing with a child... It's easier because they're a sponge and they soak up. But I still the, think the innocence is still there. I think it's somewhere in there, but it's really hard to get to. Yeah. It's really, you know, really I, hard to get to. I was, um, I'm working on a case of a little Moroccan boy. He's about eight or nine years old, and he was his sister was killed by his father, and the boy was so violently uh, beaten up by the dad that he could barely walk. Uh, the father got two years in prison. And this is all in Morocco. Wow. And the father is going to come back after two years. And oh, I no. can't imagine what he's going to do to the child. So we are running a fundraiser right now to, um, you know, it, the fundraiser is for domestic abuse victims. But um, a lot of that will go towards his, his um, you know, like school and medical care. Right. But this is not... Um, any one country, right? This is every, no, this is universal. It's a epidemic across the planet. 
And it all starts when you're a child. Now, this kid who's uh, violently abused by his own father, if he doesn't get the help that he needs, he's going to grow up and be like his he's father. He's going to perpetuate it, but twice as bad. Because if Correct. you're grown with that, that's all you know. You know, no compassion, no empathy, no compassion, no love. That's but he's also seven. So this is a great time to, to mold. Uh, Exactly. To get in there and be like, okay, you're not going to be like your dad. You're going to be like this other role model that you see here, you know, right? this wonderful person. So it also is presenting them good role models. Like a lot of these kids don't have a father. You know, one of the families that we are working with, the mom is 17 and she has two kids. The oldest one is four. She's 17. So she probably had him when she was 13 years old. Wow. No father. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's that's so sad. The predicaments that these these places are in, and meanwhile, you have people over here just enjoying uh, fake reality TV and X Y Z. You know what I mean? Like it, it's so crazy what people get caught up in. Talking about this medical condition that women in Africa have called fistula. I don't know if you guys heard about that. Never. But. No. Okay, great. <laughs> just talking about that. It's inter- but it's interesting. What is it? Um, so I was, so in Africa, fistula is one of the highest killers. Uh, what it is, as big as these women go through, um, they give, you know, they go through childbirth very early on 11 or 12 or 13 years old, or they are sexually exploited multiple times during their lifetime. They start dripping the body fluids and that creates a stench around them. So, when that happens, the family will take the, put the woman in a back ho- house somewhere, you know, and they become a sex slave for the rest of the family, or wow. they're almost abandoned, you know, they don't really There's care no for worth, that woman. just discarded, Correct. cast out. Correct. So, and the sad part of the, the whole thing is that it's a very small procedure that can fix fistula, you know, that can mm-hmm. correct it. So, uh, we are going... Uh, to Africa in November to speak at this health summit. Uh, It's a global health summit, but uh, focused on the continent of Africa. And we are proposing these mobile hospitals. Uh, So these buses going from one village to the other, giving simple medical procedures like uh, vaccines, polio, malaria vaccines, or treating Mm -hmm. fistula. Uh, What happens is most people give birth at home. They don't have access or they don't have the money to go to a hospital in Africa. Mm-hmm. So the kids never get the vaccines. You know, they, mm-hmm. they never get the shots, malaria and polio. Mm-hmm. Um, so these buses will actually provide medical resources to. So it's almost like going to your customer. You know, your customer can come to you. So now you go to them. Right. Um, so that's that's a problem in Africa. You know, every Every continent, every country has its own yeah. uh, problem. But, but yeah. a- Africa is and always will be the most exploited, depleted, and de- defamated uh, country uh, or continent, rather, uh, on the planet. From the beginning of time, it's been exploited from day one. Um, and then it's put into a category of third world when literally every resource that makes this planet spin properly for us to have these podcasts and have cell phones and have cars, everything comes from Africa and the people get robbed of the money the most. And then they get, you know, uh, exploited for their work. And then 
uh, I just saw an article uh, about Ethiopia that just stopped international adoption, uh, which I was very happy about because you're taking these children and putting them into cases and situations that, well, you're taking them from their, actually from their, their history, from their, their rightful upbringing. That's my personal opinion. And putting them into these other worlds or places, because it's a totally different world when you come from there and they're being shell-shocked, you know, and other things are happening to them. Some, I just read an article about a girl that was like deprived of food and died. And the two cut, like the couple got, you know, of course, charged and put in jail or whatever, but it's like they were allowed to adopt this child from a different country and didn't know anything about the child or how to take care of the child. So what's a plan B for the kids then? If right. they don't allow adoptions? Uh, what you're doing, go in there, help rehabilitate what's been depleted and destroyed and put them back on track. There's plenty I, I think of money. That, I think there just needs to be a better job of vetting people and, you know, back background checks on people who are adopting children because you yeah. can take them. I understand what you're saying, Jay, like you take them out of there, yeah. what they're known and what they're used or, you know, where, where they should be in right. kind of a, in a whole new situation. But what if you, you know, if you have better parents that are adopting, you can take a child out of a potentially harmful or, right. you know, bad situation and put them in that. a good home. I get that, and, but and at again, the same it, point too, there's certain things you can teach and certain things you can't. If you don't mm -hmm. understand the way this work, like the world works and the way it looks at you, then you can't ever teach your child that and prepare and, and, them for that. You know, an outside power can come and exploit you if your own people don't support your growth. Oh and yeah, well that's the problem this, with Africa. So I, it's a problem in most uh, developing countries where you know it's the government that. Mm, I don't want to blame governments, but that's, but it is. that's, that's true. You know, it stays <laughs> at the top um, yeah. where it's very easy to exploit resources if you don't put the right person in power, you know. And here's the thing. Most African countries go through a civil unrest every five or ten years because the outgoing president doesn't want to leave office you know right. they all turn into dictators oh, yeah. and um that money leads, is good <laughs> right so that leads to uh civil unrest and uh yeah. who suffers is the women and kids suffer the most of they course the receiving end of this so yes uh these countries are exploited but i wouldn't put the blame on the outside power doing it you know you have i mean no, these countries are rich in resources so they need to at this point in today in 2019, you know, you you gotta like manage your own resources. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's a hand, right? Like you said, it's a hand in hand. It's it's the powers that be in all of these countries in Africa, and then. And again, if you want to ban adoption, you know, what's the? I don't really know anything about that. But what's your plan B? Because just, just, our, just our look into it. Um, yeah. Uh, if Are people had, in your ahead. country adopting? Uh, you know, I we went to this orphanage in Mexico where they have all HIV children. Mm -hmm. Most kids were left in the hospitals because they have HIV and right. they're HIV and positive. So had. I found a family in Portugal, um, someone I know very close to me, who wanted to adopt a six-month-old baby from the orphanage because the baby the baby has no family. Was just left the family left them in the hospital. And yep. he's only six months old. Right. And now the adoption is not going through because they are coming up with all these like crazy, um, you know, um, problems for, you know, why they can't send the child overseas. And I'm like, that's fine if you are really looking right. out for the child's interest. 
but there needs to be a plan B because I don't see why the child should live in the orphanage if a really good family wants right. to adopt the baby. Sure. And that's what I'm saying is, is if this country can literally print money and make a uh, GDP and out of nowhere, you know what I mean? Just continually create money. That's not really there. They can definitely take the money. That's actually there. The resources build foundations, build, uh, uh, what, for lack of a better term, not even halfway houses, uh, communities for these these children, and have organizations that run them. And if there's children that aren't adopted, well, or born out of whatever condition or situation, can attend these schools, get an education, and, and thrive. Like it, it's doable. It's just it's greed. There's, yeah, there's, it's a, there's a there's a simple solution to everything, right? But it's it's just it's never it never has happened. I don't know if it ever will. Right, it's, I can say the money, it, but it's all not the money stays happen. at the top. If if everyone right. just right. if everyone was like you, Mana, we'd have a, a very very happy world. The, we wouldn't right? be living. We wouldn't have this conversation right now. You wouldn't even be doing <laughs> what you're doing if everybody was like you. That'd be I I'd, I'd love that world personally. It's, yeah, we meet a lot of people who you know. I think the problem is where people start you know, adding politics to this mix. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, it's funny because I posted this morning on LinkedIn, I posted um, the story, which I told you about, you know, 15 years ago, this is how we started. Mm-hmm. And someone jumped in and they made it completely uh, a political <laughs> post out of it. Sure, yeah. And um, I Some, said, to someone them, always does. Yeah. I said to them look, what you did right now is instead of unifying people and saying, let's fix this together, you now divided people. You took mm-hmm. away the focus from this child who's on that photograph and right. made this post about, uh, Republicans yeah. or Democrats. And did I not. just, did I just do that? Am I an asshole? <laughs> I guess I, I, I kind of just did that. Yeah. I, kinda, I guess I kind of just did that. I'll own up to that. But that the solution to really, you know, helping people is not uh, talking politics at all because it's not going to get fixed that way. No, you know? no. I just want them to come unite, off the money. That's all I want. Come off the fucking if money. You, Let's just if, do if you want people to unite and do something about it, then it has to be about the problem, not the not what's not working. Because we are so focused on what's not working that Instead we're not looking out. at what's working. Yeah. Yeah. So how how do people? So I, I know people are going to hear this. You're going to feel bad. I, I'm sure you get donations, and <laughs> it's what it's what happens, right? You put the the commercial. I forget who is it, Sarah McLaughlin or whoever is on the commercial oh with, God, with the young kids, <laughs> and it's a sad song, and they show you know these horrible situations. And it's 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 sad, right? Because we live, we're very privileged in the U.S. Super privileged. No, see, I see that, and I'm like turned off, bro. I see that shit, and I get turned. Yeah, off. but I'm saying for the majority of people, they do it for a reaction, right? Because they want okay. their money, and I, I think it. a lot of I think a lot of people. A have trust issues with these organizations of where the money's going. The Clinton Foundation. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's one of them. <laughs> or, or B, it's like, how do you really? I mean, like, how does someone really make an impact other than? And I know every little bit helps, and I understand that. But if someone really wants to make an impact, like, what can they really do? Because people don't know where to start, and there are people who probably want to help, and maybe they donate, you know, twenty bucks a month or whatever it is, you know, whatever goods or services that they can provide, but. Like being on the ground, I think being on the ground like you're doing is what really makes the biggest impact. And how do people go about doing that? Well, you know, I the the most important thing is to be very um, open with your donors, right? So mm-hmm. if I post a photograph of a child who was just 
severely beaten up by his father. I and if that photograph is from six months ago, I need to tell you that. Like mm-hmm. those little things matter because that people have trust issues giving their money anyways, and I understand that because there's so many people out there faking it. You know yeah. that mm-hmm. it's very hard to understand know if you know I should be giving my money to A or B or C. I don't know. Right. So ask the nonprofit. First of all, it's all public information. So nonprofits are public charities, meaning you can go on the IRS website, look up the charity that you're trying to donate to and see what they're about, you know, mm-hmm. see so, if they are actually a 501c3 or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and people claim that oh, we are a nonprofit, but they got to be registered with the IRS here in the United States. Right. You know, we have to file our taxes uh, like every other corporation does or every other individual does. Nonprofits right. are accountable. So um, go on the Secretary of State website, see if the charity is registered with the Secretary of State. That's number one. Secondly, when you're donating to a charity, ask them what the split is. When I say split, how much money actually goes into the program versus Mm -hmm. how much money you're using for running the organization. Right. And there's nothing wrong with having, you know, allocating money to run the organization because it's a corporation needs to run, right? Mm-hmm. We are in the business of helping. However, if your split is 50-50, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> right. If you're saying, give me $100 so that $50 is spent on running my nonprofit and 50 goes into whatever the right. cause is, that's not a good split. No, it should be more going to the cause. It's got to be over yeah. 85 Right. Gotta be like ninety ten would be great. And know? if they have an issue with re- like responding to that question, that's a telltale red flag, right? Absolutely. Secondly, <laughs> you should ask them for a donation receipt. You know? Okay. Yep. Most yep. nonprofits never say no for that because they are supposed to give you a receipt. Well, it helps them. Shit. <laughs> it helps them. It helps them via file their taxes, right? It helps the donors with their own taxes. So when you file your taxes every year, your donations are tax deductible. If, yep. if the charity that you give money to is a registered charity, which is why it's important to know if it is or not. Yep. Okay. And gift but- is... Uh, registered charity. Well, I was just about to ask that. Um, to simplify it for the listener, um, what is the most direct path for gift for people to reach out, check out uh, just the organization itself from bottom to top? We are very social media savvy. So awesome. Everything awesome. we do. Lay it, on, lay it on us. Lay yeah. it on us. It's all out there. My Facebook is open. Gift has a Facebook, Instagram. LinkedIn is where we are most active. Uh, okay. So please, if you want to, you know, um, reach out, just reach out to me. We have open door policy. Anyone can knock on the door. <laughs> There's no door. So, so where do they, where do they reach out to you? Um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. What's, what are, what are the handles? Uh, so they can. It's Give write, Global write it Initiative. For okay, Gift. great. And if they're trying to reach out to me, it's Mana yep. Dabolkar. My last name is kind of difficult to well, you, you, you spelled it for it'll be in the notes that's for sure okay that's great um yep. but they can what we do is every time we uh, are out on a mission whether it's mexico or africa or asia all the pictures and videos from the field are oh, instantly posted on social media so people can see also okay. most of our campaigns are run based on what so let's say i'm asking money for providing backpacks to foster care kids we actually show them that 
look, we bought like 100 backpacks and now these kids are receiving 100 backpacks. Nice. You know? So uh, whatever the donor is donating to, the money goes for that. Campaign. Do you ever take, um, do you ever have volunteers that actually go with you to, oh, to Mexico? Yeah. We are okay. a largely volunteer-based organization. We love You going, volunteers. right? You going? <laughs> I'm close you, enough to Tijuana. I, I mean, <laughs> I am. That's the closest. Uh, so we have an event coming up in November uh, in Los Angeles for anyone who wants to volunteer. It's a family resource fair for families who have special needs or medical, complex medical needs, loved ones. Okay. Uh, it's going to be in Glendale and it's a free event. So people can just walk in one-stop shop for anything, everything that they need for their loved one with special needs. Awesome. It's on November 2nd and it's a great way to volunteer. Like if you want to get to, you know, experience mm-hmm. what gift does locally, yeah. that's what we do. We run family resource fairs. Get your toes wet. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. That's some that's some deep stuff. Yo, seriously though, thank you for all that you do uh, from bo- uh, all of us, both of us, the world. Because uh, what you're doing is something that the world we live in now does not do anymore. Sadly, thank you. It's it's teamwork. A lot of people involved in it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully this this gets out to everyone listening. You know, to to join in because the more the more people who think this way, the the better off everyone's going to be. So the moral of the show is teamwork makes the dream twerk. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. I'm telling you, a lot for every horrible person that you see, there are ten people who want to make a positive yeah, yeah. change. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Once you jump into uh, into this thing, you only find good people helping out others. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you again for your time. Yes, it's, it's been you. awesome. And be safe out there. I'll be safe. You should tell them to be safe from me. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Watch out now. <laughs> you think that was cool? All right, that's a wrap. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Important stuff. I hope you guys decide to go help out, pitch in, volunteer, donate, whatever you can do. Uh, Every little bit makes a big difference. So with everything going on in the world now, uh, I think it's more important than ever that we all kind of come together and, and do our part. Even if that's just a very little bit, a little bit from everybody makes a lot. So thanks, guys. Talk to you next time.